You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? Welcome. Thank you for tapping into some untapped keg, our podcast about sobriety and mental health. We're part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm RJ Zimmerman, and I am extremely honored to be here with Nikki, a sober lady from Twitter, one of the first guests that we had on the podcast, and the first person we had from across the pond. How are you doing this morning, Nikki? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Um, but you know, I got that rigmarole, and that's kind of like the first time that I nailed it. Except I kind of went through that I had an ad read, and I forgot to read it before I introduced myself. <laughs> so <laughs> this morning, this episode of Untapped Keg is brought to you by our friends over at Sober Athletic Wear. Alcohol, drugs. Food, sex, gambling, shopping, pornography, gaming, and even social media. They're self-medicating tools we use to escape life's traumas, depression, and anxieties. Sober Athletic Wear's mission is to destigmatize addiction, mental health, and the negative stigma surrounding the word sober. If you have a heart for people dealing with mental health and addiction, show your support by repping the sober brand. Visit SoberAthleticWear.com to browse Soberware and also watch a clip from our Untapped Keg podcast featuring Troy Colmer, founder of Sober Athletic Wear, as he shares his story of addiction and why he's turned sober. Remember, we are all getting sober from something. So with that, we are back to the show. So for those who don't know, like we had Troy on a couple weeks ago. Um, and it, it was a wonderful, heartfelt story. I had seen his shirts and stuff, um, on some other people who, uh, like Becca, the unashamed alcoholic, I've seen her wear it. I've seen, um, some other kind of influencers wearing it and other people. I thought it looked really cool. So I bought some and then I hit him up. I'm like, Hey, we have a podcast. Would you like to be on share your story? And he said, yeah. So check out that episode as well. But Today, we're here with Nikki, and for those who don't know, you went viral almost a year ago with a tweet um, that was talking about your sobriety and how healthy it was, and then I believe that you put in there your uh, before and after photos is what what it was. Yeah. And so that's how we met. Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it was a picture of me. I was very drunk. Um, and the ironic thing, it's a bad picture, a really bad picture, but it was obviously the best of a bad bunch because I actually remember sending it to someone thinking I looked okay on it. And, and obviously I don't. I've got that red, alcoholic, swollen, my eyes just look dead and everything. It's just an awful, awful picture. And I'm just so glad that I still have it. Mm-hmm. So then I've shown the difference of over the months how I've got and I put it on 
on Twitter just to kind of just show maybe one or two people, give them a bit of a this is what you can do, not expecting anything at that point. Yeah. And as you said, it, it went viral, which was a, a bit of a shock, really. <laughs> <laughs> it, that was uh, like one of the when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. Like this is the kind of content I need to see more of. And um, I know that you did a BBC radio spot with that. And, you know, how, what was it like going from, I'm just going to share my story a little bit on Twitter. And then all of a sudden you're on BBC talking about alcoholism and sobriety. Yeah, it was, uh, I had, I think the weekend that it went viral, I had um, Stephen Nolan, he's like a massive broadcaster for the BBC over here, BBC Five Live. His his um, producer got in touch and said that Stephen would like to have me on his show. Um, and it was like a midnight slot. Mm-hmm. So midnight, Saturday, 10 minutes, thought hardly anyone would see it. Yeah, I'll do that. That'll be fine. Um, I did it. And then they ended up turning the edit. It was like a video like this. And they turned it into a bit of a story. And it went out on BBC News, the website, over that weekend. So that made it blow up even more. Um, And then from that, Jeremy Vine, who's huge in the UK, um, he sent me a message on Twitter saying, would I be happy to go on BBC Radio 2 on his afternoon show? So, yeah, okay. You know, it mm-hmm. it got to the point where I all I wanted to do on Twitter was spread a message to say, I've been in that dark place. I know what it's like. You know, I'm not your stereotypical alcoholic, but I ended up as one. And it was so scary for me to say to people, hey, I'm an alcoholic and I need help. I don't know what to do. I can't cope. And it was those memories of being in those dark, dark places every day that I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put myself out there, help a few people, and that's it. I didn't think anything else, and that's always been the way that I've gone. So obviously when I got Stephen and Jeremy asking me to come on, I thought, well, it's going to spread the message even further. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't expect Anything other than that, at the end of the day, I'm 50 years old, I'm an alcoholic, I'm menopausal, I'm no supermodel. I didn't expect myself to be going on things like Love Island, etc. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was never about that. It was about getting that message across. And the, the, the DMs that I got back through being on Jeremy and Stephen's shows, I had hundreds of them for people saying I burst into tears when I heard you saying because that's me and I don't know what to do I don't know where to go I'm not a recovery professional I'm not a medical professional I'm mm-hmm. just an alcoholic who is in recovery and so at least I could say well these are, these are your options you know these are the recovery places you can go to this is who you can reach out to I can't make you sober I can't you know I'm not medically trained but I can support you and then obviously with the recovery posse on Twitter who helped me so much listening to someone's lived experience is huge it's more than anything yeah because you don't feel alone 
And for me, you know, I'm kind of, I've got, I'm a professional, I've got a decent job, I've got a house, I've got kids. You would never, ever guess that I was an alcoholic. And there are hundreds of us out there that are exactly like us. And who do we go to? Where do we go? I think only ever once I went to hospital, I went to A&E because I was vomiting blood. And I thought, right, I've got to be honest with the doctor here. Um, And at that point, I kind of thought to myself, well, I'll sort of be honest. But when he asked me the question, how much are you drinking? And I I just said, I said, a bottle of wine. And he went, how often? I said, a day, which was a lie because it was up to three. But he turned around with the most disgusted look on his face that I vowed never, ever to tell another medical professional. And it was so bad because, you know, now it's like, we need to be able to feel support if I turn around and said I had a disease or anything else it it would be acceptable but because it was alcohol right it, it was that 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 expression that I got and I felt so much guilt and shame that I just thought no no pulling back and I, I think I waffled my way out of it and lied but I got progressively worse from that point and I was vomiting blood so my body's crying out there yeah and I continued to drink and my drinking got even worse um you know that was my first time that I felt I could say something to a medical professional you know I was too embarrassed to go to my doctor or anything and then if, yeah so I, I just wanted to put it out there that you know it is possible to recover I'm no saint um, what am I, 554 <laughs> days? Yeah. I'm a year and a half, which is really, really at the start of the journey. You know, I'm so early in sobriety. You know, there's people out there that have been years and years and years. I don't I don't say to anyone that I know everything. I don't because I wouldn't be an alcoholic if I did. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, and- let's be honest. If we knew everything, <laughs> we wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly but you know so it's, if I can go out there I mean my other my first account that got suspended from Twitter because I got so much abuse I got so much troll abuse really I got so much abuse yes I I was having death threats I was having abuse every day every single day it just because my user my, my follower numbers went high I went yep. over 10,000 and obviously people were seeing me thinking oh she just wants fame which I didn't. And in the end, I ended up fighting back, which got me suspended. <laughs> but so, you know, I wasn't going to come back, but I did. And, you know, at, at the moment, thankfully, I'm being left alone. Um, but it was never about fame. Um, look, this, this isn't Cindy Crawford. Yeah. It's I'm a 50 year old menopausal woman. <laughs> the, the amount of shade that people get, like I'm seeing Becca. Um, the unashamed alcoholic get it right now on Twitter too. And I think you follow her as well. Yes, yes. She, she is, you know, and she's the one who kind of brought up the stigma around alcoholism. Like I, I knew that there was a stigma, right? I didn't call myself an alcoholic for the six first six years of my sobriety. I was yeah. just, I didn't drink. I was sober. Like, why didn't I say I was an alcoholic? Why do you think it's that exact reaction you got from that doctor, right? 
Yeah, it's a stigma. I I recently uh, had a psychiatry appointment because I needed some new meds for my ADHD. And they had a questionnaire. And sure, I'm being a little cheeky and funny about this, but it said on there, you know, when you do you drink? I said, no. Did you used to drink? Yes. How much do you drink or how often? And, you know, the most that I drank a month was like twice. And then it said, how much did you drink? And my answer was all of it. Because <laughs> I would drink until I passed out. And even after I passed out, I would get up and drink something. Like, if I had a 30-pack in the fridge, the 30-pack was gone. And I was still going to the bar. Like, mm-hmm. that's how much I drank. And that's not okay. And the psychiatrist luckily laughed about it. Like, you know, got got a little bit of a, a, a joke out of it. I got lucky. The random psychiatrist I got was also sober. Wow. And um, so he thought that it was even funnier than I think I would have gotten had it been somebody who wasn't sober. But it, I'm very lucky I got that sober person too because I told him, I'm like, I didn't want a stimulant for my ADHD because I'm an alcoholic. Like it scares me. Any substance scares me. Honestly, gambling scares me. Like things that are, and even to a point like gaming can scare me too, even though I know that the addiction level there is not the same, but I know that I, the dopamine that I get is like, that's that, that hit. I feel it. And it's like, I want it, but you know, he steered me towards a medication that was less addictive as he said, which is nice, but the ism that I say I have, yeah, because I have that ism that's an alcoholism for everything, and it could be ice cream, it could be <laughs> chocolate, yeah. it could be dogs. It, I can't just do one or two. It's the extreme, and I was like that when I took drugs, exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, eating disorders, I ended up being the extreme. Anorexia, bulimia. It's I have that ism for everything. Yeah, and it is still there now, which scares me big and time. I completely get it. I completely get it. And a lot of people, when you say like, "Oh, you couldn't drink, but can you do this other thing?" and it's like, no. I have to be very careful and I have to be r- top of mind when I do something and I feel if I feel that like oh this is this is awesome like I almost think and this is just me talking out loud spitballing here I almost think my fandom for like Wisconsin sports is a part of that addiction because I do I try to pull back and every time I try to pull back like I get sucked back in you know <laughs> Yeah <laughs> but at least it's not as damaging <laughs> yeah i mean for me it, you know it, it, i i'm on twitter as mm-hmm. much as i can because one it helps my recovery and i love to help other people but i still do recognize that i'm on it maybe a bit too much and it's like mm, should i pull back should i pull back but it's you kind of think well it's helping me mm-hmm. it's helping my recovery if i wasn't if i can't go to a meeting today then Twitter is my meeting. Twitter is where I'm reading other people's shares and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you have to be so aware. And, and I'm like that. I mean, I mean, with Labradors, I don't just have one. I ended up with three and I was offered a fourth one. And <laughs> it's, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same. 
it, it's uh, it when you we fixate on it, right? And it's not something that we always notice, but when you do, it's like, oh, that's not that's that's kind of the same thing that I'm feeling there. That's not good. <laughs> right? No, exactly, exactly. It you know, house plants. I went through a stage of buying so many house plants. My house looked like a jungle, and it's not right. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not right. I am all or nothing kind of gal. And I've always been like that. Always been like that. I've been obsessive and it's, yeah. And it's like the coffee now. I don't just go with one cup. I have to get all the different types of coffee. And it, I, I, it's, I wish there was a way to stop that. <laughs> yeah, you'd I really be a millionaire do. if you find that. Yeah. But but like you said, it's not as lethal. It's mm-hmm. not as toxic as alcohol. And yeah. And it's like with drugs. When I did drugs, I would take massive concoctions of all sorts of stuff. You know, it wasn't just one. It was everything. So many. Yeah. I don't understand why I'm still here. Well, I'm very glad you're still here. And, you know, this is something that is very... Um, Talking about it not just removes the stigma, but it lets everybody else know that it's okay. Yes. One of the places that we can go to talk about it, that a lot of people choose, is AA. So I know you have really uh, dove into AA. What, what, What led up to your first meeting, and what is it that you love about AA? Um, a friend of mine was in AA. Um, they'd just, just come out of rehab. So, uh, but obviously I'd always known about it. Um, and I, it just... The week that I actually felt like enough is enough, mm-hmm. I'd been sending her random messages like total drunk, crazy text messages as we all do when we've had a drink and then the next morning think, oh my god what the center and just really random messages and she literally said to me do you want to come to my next meeting and I was like no 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 no, no. don't no, no, I'm fine I'm fine but you know that week it was just yeah. that that was my my week and that night where I'm in the bath and I've spoken about it before, I was in the bath and I was drunk and I had bottles of wine on one side of the bath from the day before, empty glasses and then my stash that night. And I just, for whatever reason, I heard in my head, you've got to stop. You're going to die. You have to choose. And it was that night I decided I've, I've lost control. I properly felt like I'd lost control. And the next morning I text and I said, can I come next time you go? And it was the third day I'd been sober. That was my first meeting. So I, I still I still felt drunk. I had that hum, that drunk, horrible hum, sweats. The, oh, I was a mess. I really was a mess. And I went in and I cried throughout the whole thing. I didn't give anyone eye contact. And I came out remembering one thing and was keep coming back. That's all I remember. That's all that made sense to me. And I just knew this will keep me accountable 
I don't quite know why I need to go. I don't quite know why I'm going to go again. Mm-hmm. But I can't turn up to it drunk. So it will keep me busy. So it was the next day, right, I'll go again. And it just was, it ended up like that. It was that getting each day, getting to lunchtime, then getting to afternoon, then getting to meeting time and then going, then coming back and getting to bed. Done it. I'm sober. Yes. Next day. And it, it, it was that. And it was everyone, no one judged me. I've always been one to openly speak out anyway. Um, and I I spoke on my second meeting and I, just, I was so angry. I came out with so much anger and resentment. Um, they've, since, they've told me that they didn't think I was going to come back because I was so angry. Oh, really? But, yeah, they thought, oh, she's not going to make it. This one's not going to make it. Um, and I would literally be spitting venom talking crying and not making any sense to anyone but it just it seemed to get stuff out mm-hmm. and then i'd listen to people's stories and think yeah you get it and that and it was that it was people understood people didn't judge people didn't advise me they just listened and then they told me their story and then it was somewhere for me to go in the evenings my husband drinks and so it was getting away from that and then there I'm, I'm sober and then I'd come home and I'd go on zoom meetings doesn't matter what they were what whether it was recovery dharma matter what I just went on every meeting to listen mm-hmm. and to be honest it kept me busy it kept my mind off of alcohol that's... You know, I bought I bought all the books, whatever yeah. they said to me to have, I'll write fine, I'll get it. And they, they weren't making sense to me, but I just kept reading them. I would pick up, read for half an hour, go on a Zoom meeting, go to that meeting, and just it become I just become a machine. And then it was Twitter and it was everything, but I needed that. I started to get obsessed with that. Because when I wasn't thinking about a meeting, when I wasn't thinking about literature, I was thinking about a drink. Right. And um, and that's common. That's very common. Yeah. And it wasn't that I chose a specific recovery group. Mm-hmm. I didn't. All I knew was my friend was going. She goes, I'm going to go because it's someone to go with. I didn't know there was any other type of recovery until I started looking into things and I come across, you've got smart recovery. You've got all these others, so many others. Yes. And, and I'm neither, I'm neither here nor there with any of them. I, when I, when I started with AA, I'm, I wasn't religious. I'm not religious. I was very much mother nature, this, that, and the other. Yeah. But since I've got into AA and I've read and I I have become more religious. That's just me personally for many reasons. And I think as well from nearly dying from COVID pneumonia. That's when, when you're having to say goodbye to your kids, that kind of changes you as a person. Yeah, you're not coming out of that the same. Like you're going to have a no. different perspective on life no matter what you think. Like, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So you know, that just that, that happened. 
Um, but I was looking, I loved recovery dharma. I loved that side of it. I bought the Buddhism books. Um, I don't care what religion someone is, just as long as you're nice. Yeah. If you're nice to me, I'll be with you. Sit. And that's and if that's lost on a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. If that works for you, yeah, and you're not picking up a drink, perfect. Because I was, I didn't have God. I didn't have anyone. I was Mother Nature, trees. And if a tree kept me sober, so be it. It's keeping me sober. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, sorry, there's like sirens going past. So, yeah, it's, I've never been one to be, you have to do this recovery. You have to do that recovery. This is the way, that's the way. Um, I know some people are very passionate about different mm-hmm. groups, and that's fine. That's completely up to you. However, don't abuse me when I don't feel the same as you. And please don't abuse someone else if it's something else is keeping them sober. So I got a lot. I'll probably get lots of grief from this interview because we've mentioned AA. Because when uh, very in the early days, I mentioned AA on my first BBC interview, not mm-hmm. even thinking. I didn't even know it was. I wasn't promoting it. I just said twelve step programs like AA. Yeah, that was it. And I got so much hate through DMs. I got so much abuse from people oh. in AA um, saying that you shouldn't be promoting it, you shouldn't be talking it, and and I wasn't. And so, you know, I, that I learned that I just say 12 step. If I talk in for a BBC thing or anything, 12 steps, 12 steps, always 12 steps. But I'm not promoting it. But I struggle with that thing of, well, if I don't talk about it, and I know Becca, the unshamed alcoholic, she's yes. the same as me. Yep. If I don't talk about my alcoholism and how I recover, how are other people supposed to know? It stays a stigma. It stays closed and don't talk about it. Can't talk about it. Yes. You know, I, I I get the anonymity. I 100% get that. Okay. I choose to break my anonymity. I don't break anyone else's anonymity. You know, when I tweet, I never tweet about the personal meetings I go to. I've never tweeted about what's discussed in my meetings by mm-hmm. myself or anyone else that's separate so and and the people at my meetings know what I do on Twitter they've seen and we speak about it and they're quite happy with it um but yeah and we see it all the time on Twitter people getting jumped on straight away and but it's like everything isn't it it's political views everything everyone and Twitter's perfect for that it's yeah. like a school playground isn't it it is if you do and yeah i mean <laughs> the abuse honestly i i'd never really named and shamed people that abused me on there because i don't want to make it bigger than it was but i think people would be shocked at some people that abuse others i think you're right but i don't think, i don't think you can ever change that and I just think, and also as well, I, I'm, the I'm, thing I'm, is, I like, talk <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. The thing is about changing it is it starts with one person 
and then you get two, and then you might get four, and then all of a sudden things you start to bring up conversations that you didn't know need to be needed to be brought up, right? So yeah. I did not know until I saw Becca say something on Twitter. I didn't know that that was a thing. Like, and I did not know I was. I set you up for that, and I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so, for those who don't know, like, I don't, I, I went cold turkey. Um, I just kind of the same thing. Woke up, shame again. Looking around, who do I need to apologize to? Canceling something with my then girlfriend, now wife. Like, and it was. Not obviously not the first thing that I had to cancel because I was hungover. Like uh, she kind of expected it was coming. Um, wondering what I did the night before because I had blacked out again. Uh, throwing up, can't keep anything down. Just like this has to stop. And I'd been bit getting up to that point, but you know I went to one AA meeting uh, before I got sober, and it's it's good. And I'm not. I am not. Um, peeing in anybody's Cheerios, right? Like, you have to do what works for you, period. Yeah. We have talked before that, and you said earlier, sobriety is about you and making your decision. We can walk you to wherever you need to go, but those steps are yours. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years, 10 days, 10 months, like, it's all, and this is cliche, but it's true. And you talked about this earlier. It is all one day at a time. Yeah. <clears throat> so I see people talking about traditions and all this stuff. And I understand what they're saying, where they're coming from. And, but we're never going to get rid of that stigma. We're never going to say it's okay that you cannot use this drug. We say that about everything else, right? The drugs aren't good. And that's, that's what alcohol is, is a drug. And unless we start talking about it and saying, no, it's okay. It's okay to be an alcoholic. Well, there's a reason I didn't want to be called an alcoholic. Because it was slander. Yeah. And I'm taking that and I'm making it my own now. Right? And Becca and you and so many others, we are taking that word and it's us and we're putting it. And guess what? We're, we're better for it. And there's so many more paths. So many more paths. I have to, yeah. I have to say I'm an alcoholic because for me personally, that keeps me sober. Because if I don't say I'm an alcoholic, I start to manipulate myself and I mm. start thinking, oh, not that bad, really. I can just have one. No, I decided to call myself and be honest and say I'm an alcoholic. Some people don't like that word. I get it. That's yeah. fine um with AA and the steps and the traditions again I you know the, the steps have been amazing they really they the steps yeah and they've shown me a life I could never have imagined you know yeah. I I wasn't brought up I was ignored I was brought up by narcissists and I was ignored I wasn't taught how to be a person those steps have taught me how to be a person at mm -hmm. 50 years old. Um, but it, it is, it's, you know, for everyone who gives me grief, it's the hundreds of DMs that I get from people thanking me, saying, you've made me realize. And that's why I do it. And because 
not everyone will go to an AA meeting. Not everyone wants to go onto a Zoom meeting. It's scary. And if they can't, if Twitter is all that they do and it keeps them sober, Mm -hmm. why not? You know, any of us can relapse any day. I could relapse tonight. Yeah. It doesn't come down to, it's such a complicated thing, isn't it? It's such a complicated conversation. It's life, right? I mean, that's what we, we did it. I did it. I relied on alcohol to help numb my feelings because I was hurting and I didn't know it. I was trying to fill a hole. I also did this with work. I thought getting a career was going to solve everything. I thought getting the career that I was pursuing, like my, I'm going to be able to pay my bills, take care of my family. I'm going to feel good about myself, all this stuff. And yeah, I paid my bills and I got, I was able to take care of my family, but it didn't help that hole inside of me. Like, you know, that's why like the first six years before we started this podcast and it's helped me so much. And that's why I like, I don't just like doing this podcast, but I like to be vulnerable and open with people. Like it helped me learn that I have to take care of my mental health. And that's the steps are like, they help so much. And like I said, you got to do what works for you. And if whatever works for you, don't let anybody tell you you're wrong. Whether you're one day or 10 years and you'd want to change it up, you know, that's, and that's something that like we had John Sheldon on who does beyond belief sobriety. And he talked about being in the same group for like 15, 20 years. And then he realized he had to change up his recovery because it just, it was stagnant. And yeah, that that's what I want to try to help is let's remove all the gates but stop all the fences and just help each other that's what recovery posse does you introduced us to recovery posse no not me that was their way before me that was yeah but you introduced it to us is what i'm saying like i did not know about it before you came on and then i checked it out and it's like oh my this is awesome like yeah I just it's the positivity and everybody being there for everybody, no matter what. And it, I've started following a lot of people from there, and it mm. is cle- like it's so much positivity. And that's what I need for my Twitter timeline. So like I've stopped following a lot of people and just like basically gone to like sobriety and everything because that's it helps your mindset when you have this positivity, and it's not toxic positivity. It's just knowing that living life and you can go through downs and that's okay. That's part of life. I mean, I'm big on positive quotes and Mm -hmm. positive means, empowering things, inspiring. And that makes me want to live, to be inspired and to inspire that's that's what life is it's not about like you're saying not about your car and how much your house cost you know if you're lying in your deathbed you're not wanting your expensive car to come and be by the side of you you want people you want Mm -hmm. the vibes you want energy um and and that's what it's all about when you start getting into um money and status that's you starting to get into toxicity and then that's when you alcohol starts coming in you know i've done the work thing and yeah it's it's not good and i think uh, 
you can talk to a lot of people who work in like the law um, in legal services medical services and there's a lot of problem drinkers there because it's full-on high stress um i know the industry i worked in it was always known as work hard party hard which is all very well if you can control your drinking but if you can't and you're in that environment it's party time you know i mean in my 20s i worked in a job where i went in and i was still on drugs but it was an industry that i could get away with that in because a lot of people were at that time um yeah there's just there's a lot of traps and you know it's not i mean yes the low moments are hard but vacations the highs like being excited learning how you can celebrate without alcohol like these are things that we i i want to talk about mons wants to talk about and it's like those are traps those are traps like when good things happen what did you used to do go out and have a good time right and now what do you do wouldn't remember any of it yeah exactly but you you know (laughs) other people told you 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 were fun like it was a good night oh that's good. That makes me feel better, except it doesn't because I know I did something douchey. And <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the last drink that I enjoyed. I honestly can't. It, you know, we're talking 15 years ago. The last drink that I enjoyed that didn't end up in some sort of chaos or repercussion. And and I thought I was having a good time and it was making everything better. And it mm-hmm. wasn't, it was just making things worse and worse. And you start to think that you can't have fun without alcohol. Yeah. That's so true. And, but that's but our society. Really- that's the world culture. <laughs> the world culture promotes it. Like, you know, what do you see? It doesn't matter what country you go to. The main ads are alcohol ads and they're all partying and having fun and yeah i mean you see everybody else doing it it's okay right like yeah you don't see the vomiting bile the vomiting blood the we in the bed the arguing the, the blacking out the oh, just everything else that comes with it it's but no one thinks they will become an alcoholic no oh. one thinks they'll the become an is, alcoholics are so varied like a lot of people and we've been taught this right through every all the media, the same stuff that all the advertisements like alcoholics are the same. They drink every night, they get drunk, you know, they sneak drinks at work. That's an alcoholic. It's like, no, like that's not what I was doing. And I knew I had a problem with alcohol. Like my dad has been sober for 30 years because he had the same thing and same thing I do. And he just, I got my stubbornness from him. Like my mom and my dad are two very stubborn people and I got both of it like added up and quadrupled inside me. So luckily I'm a stubborn SOB and that's why for six years I didn't drink. But like at the beginning, just like you were talking about, just like you did, I removed myself from those situations. But I I threw myself into a video game with my friends like that didn't drink a lot, but like I was playing with them every single night I was doing that. Uh, people would invite me to things I wouldn't go. Um, if I did, my wife would come with me and we would ghost like when I needed to. So one mm. time 
two years into my sobriety, I'm okay going to like Christmas parties and bars at this point, not drinking. But, you know, I still want to not be a hindrance or anything. So I bought a round of drinks for the guys, some beer. And it was the beer that I used to drink. It was Miller Lite. And like, A, one weird thing is it's been eight years for me and I can still taste the beer. Anything that you talk about, I can still taste that. I can still feel the bubbles on my tongue. But I smelled the beer that he opened and I was carrying it. And I had one in kind of how sometimes I would carry it and take a drink. I handed the beer to one person. I had the other one in my hand. And I, I went and put it to my lips and I almost took a drink out of habit. One. And this is over two years one. in. And I stopped and I'm like, what the? That's weird. And I handed it to the person that I bought it for. He looked at me like, I really thought you were going to take a drink of it. I'm like, I seriously almost did. Uh, it doesn't go away. No. I mean, I, I won't drink anything out of a wine glass. Wine was my thing. And I will not even drink water out of a wine glass. I'm too scared. Um, and obviously, you know, my husband still drinks. So he has mm-hmm. a wine glass. It would be that habit. I would just pick it up talking to him and down it so no i mean i had about three months ago i was around at a friend's and they are drinking non-alcoholic drinks and they were asking me if i I said no personally i don't because i I just it's all or nothing for me that's my choice um and they said i'll try just try this drink you know it's it's zero percent and I was like, oh. I said, no, it's really, really good. It's, it's got all the health benefit, this, that, and the other. And these are really, really, really health conscious people. And I said, is it definitely zero alcohol? They were like, yes. And I didn't look at the label. And I took a sip of it. And I went into blind panic because it just tasted like gin. I grabbed the oh, bottle no. to check and it was 0.0. There was nothing. Yeah. But that taste freaked me out absolutely yes. freaked me out and i just thought one well, this is why i don't drink zero <laughs> but i just thought oh my god i could have made a massive mistake because even if it had 0.5 yep. percent to me that would have been my sobriety i'd i would have relapsed that that would have been enough for me and that scared me that taste scared me and i i literally lived at meetings for weeks after that because i thought that's going to trigger me and luckily it didn't but like and i get that completely so like yeah i was in a restaurant and i got a soda and everybody else got mixed drinks and stuff and i go to taste it and i had it tasted i had like that that warming sensation down my throat and i was like oh no they accidentally put rum in mine and i just started freaking out like everybody saw my face and like what's wrong and then i was with a group of people where they took my sobriety as serious as i took it which is nice to find a group of people like that, right? And so they they knew something was wrong right away. I'm like, I think they put alcohol in this on accident. So one of my friends took a drink to see, and he's like, no, Mm. there's not. Um, And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. But like, it was the same thing. Yeah, it's like, it's so easy. It would be so easy for them to give me the wrong drink, for them to accidentally add it in there because everybody else in the entire restaurant is drinking. And that's not something we think about. But I was like, oh, man, I I freaked out for like 
an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? It, it is. It's like those it drunk dreams that you have when you wake up and you have to work out that you didn't actually. It was just a yes. dream. Yeah. Those are terrifying at first. Um, but but I know for myself, one sip mm-hmm. would be enough to make me go back. You know, it's the same with smoking. I gave up smoking 16 years ago. One puff, I'd be back to 20 a day. And I know it would be that with alcohol as well. And it's not that thing where I'll just go, oh, I might as well drink now. Those voices would come back. Mm-hmm. That craving would just be there straight away. Those Addictive receptors would be bouncing away in my head, and that would be it for me. Oh, yeah. And it scares me, but I like that it scares me because it keeps me away from relapse, and it has done so far. Because, and I say it a lot on Twitter, I have another drink in me, but I don't have another recovery in me. I don't think I can't do this again. Yeah. I can't go from day one. That's hard. It is hard. That, it is really hard to think about. But I mean, it's and it, part of it is I'm putting myself out there. So now, how disappointed are people going to be? Kind of thing. But at the same time, I don't think about that either. It's just I'm working on myself to be my better self. <laughs> and that's not something that I did at the start either, right? I didn't know that I had to, but. I didn't know I was doing it. I just put that picture out thinking it will show people. Yeah. And I I can't even remember my early tweets. I really, really can't. You know, it, they were probably gobbledygook. I don't know. And, and I'll <laughs> never know because my that account's gone into yeah. the matrix somewhere. But, yeah, it's that. It's like when people just put I'm only a day or I'm only two days that we know how tough that is. Yes, we do. And I, those are the people I try to reach out to. And I say, it's not only like those are the toughest steps to take because you are coming to the conclusion that you need to make a change. And that is strength in itself coming to that mindset. And then you're yeah. doing it like and then one thing I loved, I saw somebody who was like 15, 20 years and they they commented on there. You know, I'm at I'm only at a day two, and luckily they have added up to 15 years. But I'm at, I'm also at just a day, and it's like the more I think about it, the more like that is exactly the line of thinking. And you know, I have told people like, if a day is too long, go to an hour. If an hour is too long, yeah. go to a minute. If a minute feels too long, then go to a moment. Get yes. through what you're going through right now. Break it down into smaller chunks. And you just got to get through the day. And that's it. And I think I think a lot of I didn't really get the concept of one day at a time at first. I thought I did. And it makes mm-hmm. sense one day at a time. Hey, what's not to understand about that? But it wasn't until I was about six, seven months that it really sunk in about breaking the day up and living in the day because I was constantly obsessed and resentful and shamed by my past. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the future and not in today. And I was holding all of that pain from the past and the what ifs in that day. And I wasn't living in the moment. 
and it's kind of like one foot in the past one foot so i'm not in the present yes i know exactly what that's like i know exactly what you're saying and i love how you're breaking it down too because you're you're breaking it down in a way that i couldn't explain and this is awesome i love it yeah yeah because it it, it, literally i'm I'm, uh, so many of us are i'm terrible for the past coming into the present and it would be damaging but then I thought hold on a minute why am I giving myself so much grief why am I holding so many hot rocks I'm holding bags and bags of guilt resentment fear anger and they're all piling on so why don't I just let them go and just this is today's bag all I've got is one thing in today's bag that's what I'm going to carry those bags I can't do anything about and it's so hard to live like that and I still have to remind myself every day but that's so for me when I say I work my recovery every day Mm -hmm. it's not just about doing recovery meetings it's dealing with my past issues and there are a lot of them that's and learning how to live with it now yeah and then how to go forward in the future you know it's (laughs) yeah what I want to I want to get into that, but first let's uh let's hear a word from one of our sponsors. So, ah, <clears throat> uh, it's that time of year, right? It's winter, winter time. Hands get dry. My hands get extremely dry. They crack. They get painful. I have dry skin anyway. I don't put lotion mm-hmm. on like I should, especially when I get out of the shower. You know, now is the time. That we need to start. I mean, we should be taking care of our skin all the time, but now's the time yeah. where your dry skin can feel like you're also dehydrated. Well, you can quench your thirsty skin and leave it feeling satin smooth with Whey Melrose Place body cream. Fast as absorbing to nourish your skin when you need it most. Hydration that lasts and prevents dry, dryness. High quality nourishing ingredients like squalane, coconut oil, kupua shoe butter, and uh, cocoa. You can experience the new way Melrose Place body cream and body cleanser, your body, your way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, pronounce the way, and use code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, get 15% off. And I'm telling you, I'm starting to take care of my skin. And the difference between what it was before and what I feel now is 10 times what it was. Oops. And um, I don't know. Do, do you use uh, moisturizer moisturizers at all? Not enough. Not I'm the same as you. Jump out the bath, shower, rush around, and mm. you know your skin's too cracked and dry. But it's that rushing. But again, it's that staying in the moment, isn't it? It's that bit of self care. Yep. And with something like with creams and stuff, yeah. So I need some of that. I need to be doing more of that as well. That's I. Like the past few years have been really bad. And like I said, like I used to wear winter gloves that just like soaked up all of the uh, moisture in my skin. Um, And now 
Like this year, I haven't done it, so I was like, "Oh, this year I'll probably be a little bit better." No, it's been it's been just as bad or worse. Like last year was way worse, but like I, it was painful. I would my skin would start bleeding just by making a fist, and it's like that's that's not normal. So getting a good probably worse with all the hand washing though, with all the hand washing yes. with COVID and stuff. That's that a good point. Even drier. Yeah, it's, really bad. So to get into dealing with your past to be able to move forward. Do you, (laughs) one thing that we noticed on the show, because we just started off, we were going to talk about our sobriety, have other people on talk about sobriety. Mental health is so key in our sobriety. And that's something that the 12 steps that other, you know, other ways of getting sober, they help you work through your mental health and you don't realize that that's what you're doing. What was like you said, you noticed you had to focus on that one thing. Now, how much has help, uh, focusing on your mental health helps your recovery? It's everything. Mm -hmm. Um, if I, my mental health relies on me staying sober because if I drink, start drinking, I will go back into that dark space. And when I go back into that dark space, I self-harm. So, and then I'll start thinking about medication to try and self-medicate myself, to starve mm-hmm. myself. It, it's everything. Um, How far I into your... Oh, finish your thought. I'm sorry. No, 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 go on. I was going to say, how long into your uh, sobriety did you start to realize that you were, I want, I just, I feel like most people are trying to fill that hole inside them and they all of a sudden they realize that. How long into your sobriety was it before you started to work on this? Okay. So I know when I stopped drinking, I immediately found, I kept finding myself at the medicine cabinet because looking for something else to numb um one whether it was a habit um or two it's just that natural reaction for me well i need something i can't just how how do i hurt and i remember saying it in a meeting now that i've stopped drinking how do i hurt myself now how do i punish myself now and i remember saying that And I remember someone come up to me and said, you don't have to hurt yourself anymore. And it didn't make sense for months and months and months after. Um, But, yeah, I would have to watch painkillers because I would have easily abused them. Mm -hmm. I had to watch my food intake because I found my mind wandering into starvation mode. So it took a long time for me to calm my mind and to get a grip on my new reality. And it definitely took about the first year for me to start slowing down, for me to to be able to try and make sense of things. 
and why I do things and why I reacted that way. And then I would start realizing about past conversations, about mm -hmm. past traumas. And because I was clear minded completely, I was completely sober minded, things would make sense. And, you know, I've drunk or taken substances since I was 11. Um, so this has been the longest I've ever been sober and clean and only now can I start to help my mental health this is the most <laughs> maybe it's the wrong word most sane that I've been in a long time I'm not surrounded by chaos I don't want to self-destruct mm -hmm. which is a huge thing that was a huge thing for me um I actually do like myself. Even I dare to say I might love myself. I've never liked myself. That's important. Can you say that again for the people in the back? <laughs> I definitely like myself and I'm getting to the love in myself. And that's, that's honestly amazing. that I've never had that. Yeah. Um, we relate so it's so a long much. <laughs> so it's a long much. process. There's a lot of stuff there that I need mm -hmm. to sort. Um which I am sorting slowly mm -hmm. um, and Twitter helps me get some of that out. Obviously I'm writing, which is a really slow and hard process, but that's helping me to understand. Um, and currently at the moment, I've, I mean, over Christmas, some people, you know, I literally had a bit of a meltdown at Christmas on Twitter, but I've got some real serious issues going on to do with, um, narcissistic family members it's all come to a head so i'm dealing with that but i'm dealing with it sober yeah and calmly because otherwise i would have ended up self-harming destroying myself drinking more making things worse it just chaos so my mental health is calm a lot calmer i still have mental health issues they will always be there. And I do take medication. I have to. I've been on it for years and years and years for my anorexia and for depression. But it's the first time in my life I've been calm. And it's been okay. And that's nice. And I've not had to try and please everyone to help everyone. I don't have to come up with the answer to everything. Mm -hmm. It's... You know, I, and I'm learning how to be a, a human. You're allowed to just be. Yeah, oh, just to be. It's nice, isn't it? <laughs> That's what you're talking about is a lot of stuff that I myself have also been going through. Like, I did not, I knew mental health was important. I didn't realize how stressed out I was and how in a poor mental state I really was until... Honestly, we started doing podcasts and like we had other guests on and they're talking about all this stuff. And I'm like, wait a second, that sounds like me. Wait a second. I haven't worked on that. Wait a second. And you're talking about like carrying the bags from your past and then the bags from the future and not living in the present. I did that a lot and I called it like going into autopilot. I would mm. go to work, come home, take care of my kids, eat, go to bed go to work, come home, take care, never doing anything for myself, like trying to come into who is RJ? 
Like, who, what, what do I do? What is me? Like, I did all this stuff for a lot of other people, for a lot of other approvals, right? Where do I need to be? Like, where I am right now, like, trying to work through things, like, I'm coming to terms with things that I've buried or ignored, overlooked about myself. I hated myself for so long. And that's why I wanted you to repeat that because I am trying to become a friend to myself. And that is, that's a process I'm still going through, but I am more of a friend to myself right now than probably since high school. And it is such, like you said, it's such a freeing feeling. It's just, don't get me wrong. There's lows, right? There's, there's still stress. There's still life. There's everything. But when you're a friend to yourself, like you can deal with a lot more stresses and still be calm. And sometimes it is the I still freak out. Like I should not be this calm. <laughs> I need to go, 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 go. But I, I bet you any money you had no boundaries because I know yes. for myself, I never had boundaries I wasn't brought up to have boundaries that wasn't something and it's only because I've recently been putting them in and those boundaries aren't to stop something it's to stop the negativity it's just to stop the toxic behavior getting to you because you are worthy of those barriers you are worthy and you don't deserve that narcissistic behavior that toxic behavior whatever it is Mm -hmm. you don't have to take that and when you've been programmed to take it all, all the time, that's all you do. You don't know any different. And then you, you're trying to scrabble to the top to keep above it and you paddle in fiercely. fiercely. Right. Yes, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. And eventually you are, you're going to start sinking. And, and I think that's literally what we've both done. We've, we sank. I agree. And too. the thing is, we didn't know it. You no. don't know. And no, because you're trying to please everyone. You're you're you think you're doing yes. wrong. You think it's your fault. Everything, mm-hmm. the whole world is your fault. And as long as if you can get hold of everything and sort it, it'll be all right. Not you, but everything else will be fine. Yeah. It's exhausting. That's exhausting. It is. And it's living <laughs> with anxiety. It's living in a hyper anxious state constantly. And that's what I did from a child, constant anxiety, hyper anxiety, and then it carries on and you're probably exactly the same. And I know you said that you were like the partier, like the life of the party with your friends. We talked about this the last time you were on. And that's how I was too. And I'm sure you did it for the same reason I did, approval. Like that's what you thought everybody wanted. So you became somebody who you really weren't so that everybody else could have fun. Yeah, I'm really shy. I am really shy, and people would laugh at me. But I'm you put I am too. <laughs> yeah, you put yourself out there, though, don't you? Because yeah. you're making a reaction, and it's a nice one, and and you're pleasing everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's honestly, there, there's so much when you have a sober mind and you start looking at things with a sober mind it reveals so much and people out there that are so unhappy and are so down on themselves until they 
put down that alcohol. They're not going to see it because I didn't. I couldn't see it through the alcohol haze. But yeah. And now I remember thinking I wasn't worth it. I wasn't worthy. I'm just useless. And but did it no use your happy times too? Because for me, I remember times of joy and I would instantly be like, okay, what's going to happen? Because I don't deserve this. So if I don't deserve what's happening right now, so something bad has to happen. And then you sabotage yourself, obviously, self-sabotage. Yes. And then it's like, yeah. well, of course this would happen because this is what I deserve. <laughs> self-sabotage, yeah. Self-destruct, self-sabotage, yeah. And, I, I think it's in Terminator 2, the movie or something, there, there's that line, isn't it? It's, it's something about humans destroying themselves and you know that that's what they do we destroy ourselves and that's that's what i thought was normal and yeah. acceptable to do yeah and it's not you know if it was your child you wouldn't allow them to do that so why do it to yourself mm-hmm. and that's something and, that and i'm that, learning if i don't like myself how what am i going to teach my children right yeah i'm going to teach them to not yeah. like themselves it doesn't matter how much love I give them, it doesn't matter how much attention I give them, like, they're going to see that. They're going to feel it. Yes. And of course they will. They deserve better, and I want them to have better than I had, and that starts with being the best RJ, and then I can be a, the best father, and then I can be the best partner, and I can be the best friend, but unless yeah. I'm the best RJ, I cannot be the best anything else. You're putting too much on yourself there by saying the best. <laughs> yeah. Best isn't <laughs> happy. Yeah. I don't want to be like, I don't want to make it seem like I'm number one like that, but like uh, the best that I can, right? Settled. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be settled. And yes. it's, yeah, exactly. it's a huge thing. You're, you're breaking the chain, aren't you? you? You're you're changing the past and breaking it. You're preventing that toxicity going into the next generation. And that's huge. That's what I want to try to do. That's all I can do is try. That's all we can do. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's all I do. And, and it's, that's what and I, I know when, there's no such thing as perfection. Well, I'm sure we'll upset our kids with something. Did you used to <laughs> think progress. that you could be perfect though? And hold that against uh, yourself? I had, to be. I had to be perfect. Yeah. Nothing less was acceptable. I had to be. I, and I, and I still <laughs> I still struggle with it. Yeah, I still same. struggle with it. Yeah. I mean, things like I can't believe I put, if people understood about me putting a picture of me on, how mad that is because I have um, an an underbite. So my, my jaw is wonky and I got wonky teeth. And that's a huge thing for me, like body dysmorphia, the whole thing. So for me to actually put a picture on, you know, I don't have many pictures from my past because I'd rip them all up. Um, but yeah, it's we we just got to keep going, haven't we? Don't yeah. Keep keep going. Keep keep, keep going. being like you said, settled for everybody else around us. And yeah, this start like like I said, it started as sobriety, and I knew I was doing better, but I didn't address anything i didn't address the whole i didn't address why it was there i didn't address why i was drinking the way that i did and now it's turned into not just not drinking 
but like trying to be the best mental health. Take the mental health. It's not enough just to stop drinking. And that's because you're scary in the wine some people. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. For real. And yeah, I'm glad you said that. So we're winding down here. This conversation has been amazing. I thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you for having me. I wanna, I wanna, I know you like gardening. We talked about that the last time. Yeah. What is your favorite plant in the garden? Like that when you see it come up or you're working it, pruning, or uh, let's say poppies. Okay. Poppies. The, the, you like the flower, the smell? What What is it about yeah. the poppies? That's, it's going to sound weird, but that's a deep question for me because there's lots of deep meaning for poppies, <laughs> um, which isn't a I don't good. Think that's some good. of it's not good, but it's poppies to me are perfection okay they are perfection yeah that's awesome um earlier you mentioned and i know you're doing this so i want you to promote it you're writing a book trying and (laughs) (laughs) an autobiography if people watch this and they're going to get a lot out of this right people want to go support you how can they do that come on to my twitter page it's a sober lady Mm -hmm. find me um and it, it literally is just keep spreading the message keep spreading the message you know even if it is just retweeting the comparison pictures I think pictures say more than words and if that can just make someone think see the difference yeah just just that you know it doesn't even have to be my picture it can be someone else there's loads Mm -hmm. of comparison pictures and I think that's the strongest that's 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 the strongest thing it really Um, is I mean that even to yourself like the way that it just like shocks you right there yeah, it's, it's getting that message that I want people to talk more and more about alcoholism, recovery, the stigma, because I want it to, I want people to be able to feel like they can reach out and they don't have to be scared. Absolutely. Are your DMs open if people want to? Oh, yes. Always, always to... open. Okay. Because our yeah, DMs are open, open as well, too. So, you know, if people want to reach yeah. out to Nikki, reach out to Nikki. If people want to reach out to us, they can reach out to us both you know we'll be there everything stays private in the dms we don't yeah we don't promote and if i if i do i will ask you and if you say no it's not coming out and that's and i won't use names i'll just say a person yeah i mean i only talk about the dms and what people have said because i get hundreds of them only Mm -hmm. if they want me to they ask me Mm -hmm. to or they ask me to retweet something um but any personal conversations no i never do to me that it's private. Yeah, I agree. So I'm going to promote it. Um, but if you want to help support Nikki writing the book, 
please check out buymeacoffee.com slash lady. correct? Yes. And you can help her write her book and get it published. And I, this conversation, I mean, we went pretty deep. We covered a lot of ground. And I just like, I'm smiling because it just, it's, it helps me. Like I'm connecting with you on a level and I feel like you're connecting with me. Like this helps everybody who's out there. Like, and some people didn't, they aren't feeling the way that we're feeling, but I just telling your story and letting others know it, it, it does help so many people. So if you want to be on and have a conversation about your story, hit us up at untapped keg on all social media platforms, untapped keg at gmail.com. If you know somebody else who you would like to see on message us, tell us to reach out to them. Um, we will do that. And we just have a conversation. And that's all it is. Like, we're not going to drill anything into you, like, to try and, oh, we got you or anything like that. It's whatever you want to talk about. Like, we'll, and we'll go from there. So, follow Nikki at a sober lady on Twitter. Look us up on social media. Hit that subscribe, hit that bell so you know when we go live every Sunday. Let us know how we're doing. You know, let us know what we can improve on. So that is something that we're trying to do. We're in the process of making this more professional. We're in the process. And thank you to Nikki for helping me make the best thumbnail that I have made for the show yet. And <laughs> and can I just say, yeah, can go I just for say it. Go on for it. you've still got your Christmas banner on. I You've got your Christmas that? banner on the top. Oh, yeah, I do. You I need to change that. It's not Christmas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And I have one that, to put up there. And I just, it's it's gone past me a little bit. So I need to change that. Thank you. Hey, I love Christmas, but, um, you know. <laughs> it is past. It, we still have our tree up in the house. And every time <gasps> I look that. at it, I'm like, oh, this needs to go. But I really don't want to do it. <laughs> I'll keep it up then if you want to keep it up. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. There's there is nothing. It's a really little tree and the boys love it. But you know, um right now, uh for the foreseeable future, it's just gonna be me on the podcast. Usually Monte Ball's here. He is on hiatus right now. We talk a lot about being the best us and giving people room to grow and Getting your mental health right. And we mean it. We will be there. Like, we are not, if you say something, if you need room to grow, because we all do, like, I didn't go sober because everything was good. I didn't go sober because I was a great person, right? We want to give you the room to grow. And that's what we're going to do. And so that's what we are also in the process of doing. And I just, I, I didn't mention it last week and I did but I want to mention it today that we are putting the actions where the words are and he's okay. Just so everybody knows, but sometimes we just need, we need some time. We need some mental health breaks and you know, don't be too hard on yourself for realizing that you need a break and take it because everybody needs it. Stay strength. The strength in that. And knowing that you need a break. 
the strength in that is some people are going to poo-poo it because they're jealous. Don't let anybody poo-poo your strength. So this has been Untapped Keg, our podcast about sobriety and mental health. If you like what you see, please share it, retweet, let us know. And Nikki, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a great conversation. Keep doing what you do on Twitter because my goodness, does it help me so much. You're helping so many people. And if you need somebody to get your back in a fight, you just let me know. I'll be there. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I will grab the brass knuckles. I'm coming. Let's go. And I'll send the trolls to you then. <laughs> that's fine with me. Send them our way. I will handle it. Everybody, let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least if we don't make it, we tried. And that's all we can do. Let's have a good week. Thank you for joining See you now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.